3: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? A little bit of a different podcast today. We've got two guests on one show. Our first interview is with K.D. Drummond of the Cowboys Wire. You can check him out at cowboyswire.com. And then we'll chat with Tracy Sandler. She's the 49ers fangirl. She's the CEO of the Fangirl Sports Network. Uh, It's a ton of fun, these two chats, so make sure to uh, check those out. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers. For the Sacramento Bee, I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. And joining us today, one of my NFL Wire teammates, KD Drummond. He writes for CowboysWire.com. You can also catch his podcast, Catch This Fade. You can subscribe to that on Patreon. KD, I can't believe, well, I mean I can because the Niners and Cowboys don't play that often. But I'm still a little surprised. it's The first time you've ever been on been on the pod. Well, I'm sorry. F-
1: f- first of all, <laughs> that's your fault. I, I take no responsibility for the fact that I haven't been on your podcast. Sure. I, I apologize that you haven't been on my podcast either. But that's not that's not the discussion that we're having right now. But it is good to be on with you, gentlemen.
3: Yeah, like we so we were saying before the pod that well, first before we get into the football stuff, you 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 guys, Chris and KD. Uh you guys have some history together in this business.
2: Yeah, so so Katie and I used to work for websites on uh, on the Scout network. That was yep. my first job writing about the 49ers and we would do a behind the enemy lines piece. I think similar to, to what you guys do now and a, a lot of different people do on the internet too. But um so after doing that uh Kyle your current boss, my old boss and you'll coolong hit me up and uh, asked me if I wanted to join um, the USA Today sports media group, new uh, new blog site of networks, and that he had gotten my name from Katie Drummond. And then, um, you know, that was what, five years ago, I guess. So the rest is history. Um, and now uh, I-, I have Katie to thank for, for that step um, in my career. So thanks, man. Appreciate it.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I am the harbinger of great things to come. So I, I take a lot of pride in in being able to link people together. But yeah, we, we uh, just just as Chris said, uh, we were with the Scout Network uh, for a couple of years. And, you know, anybody familiar with the industry knows, you know, what happened with Scout. So we were able to avoid that demise and ended up over uh, with the USA Today Network. And then Chris has moved on to uh Bigger and Better Things, I'm still toiling away with the likes of Mr. Kyle Madsen. And we (laughs) are, actually, Chris, we did the Vegas trip together too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we we had the, uh, the Vegas excursion a few years back, back when people were actually allowed to travel by plane. Um, well, they're still allowed to travel by plane. I don't know how highly that's recommended, right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we had a good time in Vegas when we all kind of met in the early infancy of the wire network. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun times, man. So, uh, like I said, good to be back with you gentlemen. And, um, you know, apologies to your listeners for the fact that we are suffering through this season together. It's kind of simpatico. Uh, yeah. both teams had high hopes to start the year. Both teams are ridiculously injured beyond belief. And both teams suck. So definitely, that's, what
3: <laughs> that's, well, that's what's so funny is before when when the schedule came out, it was I think everybody went to find the Cowboys game. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people want to find that Cowboys game. And it's it's week 15. It's Sunday night football. It's two teams that think they're going to be in the NFC playoff hunt. This could be huge. It could have playoff implications, all that jazz. And now it's flexed out. And the biggest thing on the line is draft position. Yep. And that's when that stinks.
2: I thought when the schedule came out that this would be the primetime Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Mm. Like that's how big of a game it, it potentially could have been. But uh, Katie, I wanted to ask you because right now, a lot of my thinking about this 49ers season is is what meaningful things you, you can take away from this year. And and it's, it's a pretty difficult exercise because the 49ers have been so decimated by injuries. Um, and obviously as the season's winding down, you, you know, we, we sort of got to spin things forward, but from somebody who writes about the Cowboys are there, do you struggle with, with finding meaningful, meaningful, takeaways this season, given all the injuries that the Cowboys have dealt with, including to Dak Prescott, or is it uh, is, is there still a lot of stuff happening that, that you can, um, glean valuable information from in terms of how good this team's going to be in 2021?
1: Well, I think you actually hit the nail on the head because that's part of the biggest issue that we're having right now, or at least I'm having, uh, coming to grips with the status of this team is the fact that we aren't getting the opportunity to get that valuable information that we think can be helpful spinning things forward. Uh, One of the biggest issues that I have and that I've been griping about all season is the fact that ever since Dak Prescott went down, Andy Dalton came in, he played, he played horribly. It was apparent that he wasn't going to be able to be any good. They brought in the seventh-round pick, Ben DiNucci. He's a flyer guy. James Madison, uh, you know, lost to North Dakota State in the um, in the championship game. But he had so much seasoning that needed to be put on him before he was ready to play. It was deer in headlights. But the Cowboys then had a guy named Garrett Gilbert, who they stole off of the Cleveland Browns practice mm-hmm. squad. And Gilbert came out, and I was advocating for him before for two weeks that they just need to put this guy in. Let me see what he can do because you would love to get the information on whether or not he could be the future backup for Dak Prescott. You don't expect Dak Prescott to miss an entire season. You know, Andy Dalton is probably going to be looking for at least an interim starting job, you know, be the starter when a team is grooming a quarterback of the future, at least looking for that on the free market once the pandemic is over, because that's why he returned to Texas. He signed with the Cowboys because he wanted to be close to home during the pandemic. But you would love to get the information on Garrett Gilbert on whether or not he could be the future backup for Dak Prescott. But they refused to play him because they kept up this facade that they were going to be able to catch the NFC East champion or the NFC, NFC East leader and leader, become the champion. And nobody who watches this team figured that that was a possibility. Yeah, they could mathematically catch somebody, but watching this team, you know that they weren't going to be able to do that. But they've continued to put up this facade as they're fighting for the playoffs, and that has kept them from playing the young guys like Garrett Gilbert, kept them from playing draft picks like Bradley and I on the defensive line, uh, Reggie Robinson, the fourth-round pick out of Tulsa. They converted him to safety. They won't play him. Uh, there's just been a number of guys that you would love to see them give snaps to and give meaningful snaps. You can play them in the last two weeks of the season, but are you really going to be able to take away information from the last two games as opposed to saying, okay, well let's put this guy into the fire for six, seven, eight games, see how he reacts, see how he goes through the ups and downs. And that gives you useful information to move forward. So I would have loved to have seen the Cowboys playing the young guys, giving up on the chase of the playoffs early, but they haven't done that. And now we're at the end of the season and you really don't have that much information on the guys outside of your key guys, like Ceedee lamb and Trevon Diggs and uh, Tyler, Beatish uh, those are the guys that you really have uh, useful information on but the rest of the guys the undrafted free agents like Rondell Carter and Rico Dowdle and all of these guys that you could have been getting in the mix and learning something about you haven't been able to take anything away from their performance so far in 2020.
3: and yeah, it's kind of the spot the 49ers found themselves in too where they were in the kind of thick of the playoff race really up until last week I think maybe a little bit more realistic of a shot than than Dallas, but oh, not more than a little bit. <laughs> but I want to I want to circle back real quick to Andy Dalton because because you mentioned that that he might be a guy who's going to be that veteran veteran starter for a team, maybe grooming a young quarterback. Do you think he can start uh, on a on a better team and and win games still, or is what we're seeing in Dallas kind of what he is? He's going to quarterback a team that's going to win four or five games.
1: Yeah, I would say that if you're one of the teams like, let's say the Jets get rid of Sam Darnold, they draft a quarterback, they draft Lawrence number one, um, they're not going to play a veteran. They're going to start Lawrence from day one. Mm -hmm. But a team that's, you know, in the five to 15 position and they end up with a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, uh, a guy that maybe takes uh, Trask in the second round or, you know, some some player of that ilk. Mm-hmm. I could easily see them looking at Andy Dalton as being that stopgap guy. Pay him ten million dollars, and you know, be like, you're the starter, and sell him that dream in free agency. And then once the draft comes, and the first sign of weakness, you drop in the starter in week four, week six, week eight, whatever the case may be. I think he could be that, but I don't think he's a serviceable guy anymore. Uh, mm. We we've seen him basically, you know, the the state of the Dallas offensive line has been trash, and he has the unfortunate luck of playing most of his games without Zach Martin out there. Uh, so that makes it even more difficult of a case to make that he you know, has, given, has been given a fair shot. But the only game that he's really played well in was when he had two weeks to pre- prepare for the Minnesota Vikings. And not only did he have two weeks to prepare because of the bye, the Cowboys have George Edwards as their senior defensive assistant. He's basically a consultant for the defense. The week of the bye, Mike McCarthy, head coach, had all of the defensive staff work with the offense. So he literally got a crash course in everything you could possibly know about how Minnesota defense was going to be. And lo and behold, with two weeks to prepare and all of that work put in, he was able to affect that game in a positive way. That's the only time I've seen positive play out of Andy Dalton to the point that I was like, that looks like an NFL starter. Outside of that, it's been very questionable. So, you know, you take it for what it's worth.
3: So every team on a bye week should sign Andy Dalton. Got Absolutely, it. that was the take. Absolutely,
1: Got it. you know that that's a funny joke. But I remember seeing while Andy Dalton was in um within Cincinnati. I, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Joe Goodberry. Um, very very talented guy that covers the Bengals, yeah. and he has for years. He was the first person that put into my head that Andy Dalton is very good when he's familiar with the opponent. Like more than any other quarterback, he has these splits where if it's a division opponent or somebody that he's seen multiple times, that he's very very good when he has all of this information in his head. But when you mix them up. Up, and it's a team that he doesn't play on the regular. He absolutely sucks. And that's pretty much what we're seeing. So, you know, it, as, as I said, it is what it is with Andy Dalton. I wouldn't I wouldn't pitch my uh, future with him. But yeah, as a stopgap, if you're going to draft one of those guys, I, I I definitely roll the dice on him as as, the, you know, the, the veteran in the room.
2: So speaking of quarterbacks, um, there's obviously, you know, Dak Prescott and the fact he, he played this year on the franchise tag and got hurt um and isn't signed uh long term with Dallas and um and so I wanted to ask you about Katie I want to ask you about your reaction to um Marcus Spears of of ESPN saying that Dak should want out of Dallas and uh and should try to angle himself to the 49ers and um would you would Dallas take a fifth round pick for for Dak Prescott do you think a
1: fifth bruh (laughs) We would take five first-round picks for Dak Prescott. I don't know about a fifth-round pick. (laughs) In in, in all honesty, you know, you you approach it, and you know Marcus Spears. He has a history with the Cowboys. He used to play for the Cowboys. That was the team that drafted him under Bill Parcells. Uh, So he's still technically affiliated with the organization. And there is a bit of, you know, you're on TV, you're on the radio, you say things that, you know, catch people's attention. But there has to be some concern about the fact that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have yet to come up with an agreement. And no, they can't negotiate during the season. We know the rules of the franchise tag. Once that July 15th deadline comes and goes, you're stuck on the sideline. You cannot talk with each other, wink, wink. You can't negotiate during the season. But there is something to be said about the fact that the Cowboys have basically had two, uh, two seasons to negotiate with Prescott, and they couldn't get a job done on a long-term deal. What are they waiting for? We don't know. Everybody's saying the right things. The Cowboys are saying that they're going to sign him. He is their future and all of that kind of stuff. But when it came down time to it, they did not get the job done as far as inking him. Now, the rumor is, uh, well, everybody knew in Dallas, Dak Prescott wanted a short deal. Basically, he was screwed because he was a fourth round pick. He only made $2 million in the last year of his contract. And he was watching players that he was better than, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, get these enormous contracts a year early. And he wasn't getting any of that love. I believe going into this season, Jared Goff had made eighty million dollars more than Dak Prescott, and uh, Carson Wentz had made seventy million dollars more. Now that gap short, you know, shrunk with the big franchise tag that Dak got, the thirty-plus million. But still, it's an egregious amount considering that he's outplayed those two players. But. He wanted a four-year deal because he wants to get back on the market by the time the new TV contract, as soon as the new TV contracts hit in 2020, and of course this is all pre-pandemic, he wanted to be back on the market earlier so that he could recoup some of that money and get that big third contract that he would have gotten at the age of 29, 30, 31 years old. But the Cowboys want, as they always do, to sign guys to five, six, seven year contracts so that they can not only spread out the cap hit from the signing bonus, but then also give big base salaries in year two and year three and do the whole restructure bonus thing and basically keep the money low for the first couple of years and back end it. And of course, they were trying to take advantage of, well, if we have him for the cheap through the first part of the TV deal, then by the time we get to the end, he's still going to be cheap because the contracts are going to keep exploding. So long story short, as soon as the, de- as the deadline approached, Dak basically relented as the rumor goes and said, I will sign your deal for the five for the five years, as long as you promise not to franchise me again at the end of that deal. And Jerry Jones said no. So that's why they don't have a long term agreement right now. And if that's the case, if that rumor is true, then that tells you a little bit something about where the Cowboys are. They want Dak Prescott. There's no doubt about it. They want to build around Dak Prescott, but only on their terms and only if they can keep him under their thumb without giving him the freedom that most free agents and most high-level quarterbacks can receive.
3: What are the odds? Like give a Give a percentage that they let him walk.
1: I'd say it's walking clean, there's a 0% chance doing the whole sign it, you know, like tag, tag and trade, trade. Yeah, yeah, tag and trade. I'd put that at maybe 10 to 12%. I I still have confidence that they're going to get it done. It's just so weird that we, we've gone this long without getting it done because most guys understand that a franchise quarterback, the price is going to do nothing but go up. And look at it. The man played five games, got injured, and his price has done nothing but soar because it's clear that the Cowboys cannot function without him. So it, the, the he basically increased his leverage by not playing after he, uh, you know, rolled the dice on himself and, and took the franchise tag and didn't sign the contract that the Cowboys wanted him to. So I, I don't think there's any way they get around paying this guy. And it's going to be 35 to $40 million, somewhere in that Deshaun Watson range. Um, I, I can't see how they escape it. I don't th- see with the way that Dak is the leader of this team. Because, you know, some guys, not every teammate likes him. That's not the issue with Dak. These players adore him. They would run through a wall for Dak Prescott. He is by far the most popular player. Remember, he took the locker room away from Tony Romo. And that is no small feat. Right. But Tony Romo didn't get his job back because everybody on the team loved Dak Prescott that much. And that, that's really saying something, how revered Tony Romo is for the organization, for the fan base and everything. But that man took the locker room from him. They all rallied around him from day one. As soon as he took that starter mantle off on week one of that season of 2016, they've been his team. Uh, so it would really be weird for the Cowboys to let that walk out the door. It's not, Impossible, but it's highly unlikely.
2: So shifting gears a little bit, there's uh, there's a really interesting player in the Cowboys this year. He used to be a 49er. Obviously, that's that's Alden Smith. Um, five sacks this season, which is more than everybody on the 49ers not named Kerry Hyder. Um, Cowboys ch- legend. Which right. is just a wild... Like If 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 you would have told me in August that that's something that we would talk mention on this pod in December... That Alden Smith would have more, more sacks than Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Eric Armstead, like combined. combined. <laughs> it's that that's I I would not have expected that. But but Katie, I'm curious what's what's his impact been on uh, on that defense, and uh, just what's what's the Alden ex- Alden Smith experience been like uh writing about him?
1: Be- before we get into that, can we have a moment of silence for Kerry Hyder's career mm-hmm. as a Dallas Cowboy under Rod Marinelli? Because that was uneventful. So the fact that he's balling out for San Francisco is a little bit hurtful. That Rod Marinelli, the famous defensive line coach, couldn't get anything out of Kerry Hyder. Um, but again, your your San Francisco's defense is just so ridiculously good. Uh, Sala is amazing. So I, I I'm not surprised that he was able to get something out of Kerry Hyder when nobody else could. Um, but yeah, Alden Smith has been tremendous. And it was actually funny because he started off hot as far as the year went along. And I believe he had the four sacks in the first six games or something of that sort. And then he cooled off for a while. And then of course he had the big fumble return uh, for a touchdown in this last game against uh, Cincinnati off the second butt fumble. Um, but but yeah, he, he's been incredible. It's been it's an amazing story his comeback from where he was. Uh we know that Jay Glazer had a big role in uh, his rehabilitation, the training, I should say, uh after his rehabilitation was over, um, and getting him back to the point that he could play in the league. So it, it's been an amazing story for him to rejoin the league at, at this age, and you can see the physical tools that this guy has. And then he came back like he was light when he played. Not light, but he wasn't a big dude when he played for San Francisco. He showed up like 280, 290 pounds, and he still has all of the moves that he had back when he was a uh, you know a thinner player. So um, it, it's it's just very special to see him doing what he's doing. Now, granted, players do well uh, opposite Tank Lawrence. We saw Robert Quinn ball out for like 12, 14 sacks last year, and he got the big deal in, in Chicago, and he hasn't done Jack without uh, you know, and he's playing again, you know, opposite um Khalil Mack. So um it's it's been pretty interesting to see how Demarcus uh, Lawrence takes up so much of a opposing offense's uh focus. Mm-hmm. And he is so he he affects the game in so many ways. He doesn't get the big sack totals anymore, which most Cowboys fans cry about because they believe if you get a big, you know, hundred dollar, hundred million dollar deal, you have to get sacks all the time. But right. the pressures, the tackles for loss, the way that he sets the edge, the way that he basically does free up things for everybody else, is he's an amazing talent. And I think Alden Smith is a benefit of that. But I would still love to see him back and part of this rotation. You know, the Cowboys are doing the reclamation project thing. Up and down the roster. That's kind of always been Jerry Jones' thing. So we have Alden Smith. We also have Randy Gregory at that edge position. Uh, you know, he he's obviously back in the league after missing more games with suspension than he's played in since he was drafted back in 2015. Uh so the Cowboys kind of have this thing where they take these guys under their wing. Uh and, and we all everybody just wishes the best for them. And and to see Alden Smith thrive in this capacity is really great to see.
3: A Cowboys player that we talked a lot about uh going into the draft of cd Lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh the Niners had a needed receiver. They wound up taking uh Brandon Ayuk, number 25. Uh CeeDee Lamb goes to the Cowboys at number 17. If the Cowboys had the draft to do over and they're picking at 17, then they have hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um is cd Lamb still the guy they take or do you think they take one of the guys that went after him, whether it's Justin Jefferson, Ayuk, T. Higgins, uh, whoever it may be.
1: I don't think the Cowboys would have taken a wide receiver if it wasn't lamb. He uh, wide receiver was oh. nowhere on their radar. Uh, it, 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 just, it just really wasn't. Now they, they remember they had just signed Amari Cooper to a five-year, hundred million dollar deal uh, in free agency. Michael Gallup is on the come. Uh, you know, he, he basically exploded as a second year player, 1100 yards. Uh, so they didn't have any intention of drafting a wide receiver. If, uh, the rumor has it that if the Cowboys didn't draft CeeDee Lamb, everybody assumes that they were going to take um, Chase on, the LSU defensive end, uh, who's kind of mm. struggling as, as a rookie. That was basically who everybody assumed they were going to take. But rumor has it that they were going to take Trevon Diggs in the first round, the guy that they ended up getting huh. in the second round pick. Wow. Diggs was going to be their guy. That's how much they love Diggs. And they, trust me, they love that guy. And he's played like a number one corner when he has, a, uh, he has a foot injury and he might be coming back for this game, as a matter of fact, uh, his first game back in three weeks. Uh, but they loved, absolutely loved Diggs, the corner out of Alabama. So if it wasn't Lamb, I would probably say it would have been on defense. It would have been either Chason or Diggs. Uh, and, you know, they might – you always get spin control when it comes with Dallas. You know, you never quite right. know these rumors that they tend to float out there after the fact to try to change the narrative. Um, but most observers thought that it was going to be Chason. That's pretty much how everybody – who everybody had zoned in on uh, to take uh, – basically to come in for – uh, Robert Quinn to replace Robert Quinn in in the defense but that didn't happen somehow lamb fell to them and before Dak Prescott got injured he was on pace to have a 1,385 yard season as a rookie so you can't say anything bad about him. now obviously that's dropped off with Andy Dalton and the poo platter that they've been running out of quarterback but <laughs> when it was Dak Prescott he was on pace to he, he actually was going to outshine Justin Jefferson, and we see how Jeff, Jefferson didn't start the first couple weeks. So, you know, his numbers are a bit skewed based on what he's done in the 14, 13 games since he actually broke into the starting lineup. Uh, but, yeah, those guys would have been neck and neck as, as basically an A.J. Green, Julio Jones type of draft. So, Katie,
2: curious how you think um, Sunday's game is going to go and uh, w- what you think is the most important thing for for the Cowboys to do in in order to in order to win the game?
1: Uh, the most important thing about the game is the fact that it was moved from late night, and <laughs> I would have to be right until two o'clock in the morning. I am so envious of you West Coast guys that you have a <laughs> you have a ten a.m. game. You know what I would do for a ten a.m. kickoff, bro? Like that is Dude, so ridiculous. You wouldn't
3: to me. you wouldn't move across the country? I know that so. It's 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 a great thing. It's a great thing when you're
2: on the east, uh, you're on the west coast, and you get those early games. But it's kind of a bear when you're traveling, and it's it's 10 a.m. on the east coast because then you're you're essentially getting to the stadium at 7 a.m. Oh god! If you're you're if you're not acclimated to the time, so that that's the downside. But it's it's the west coast is way better for sports just in general. Yeah, Hawaii
3: time kickoffs are 7 a.m. Yeah, wow, that's incredible.
1: now, you know, because the Cowboys have such an international audience, I have friends like in Australia and, and England, and and they always talk about waking up at like 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the games. And I'm like, y'all are diehard. <laughs> they're they're that, doing that this year? <laughs> yeah, I, I know, Oof. right? The, the funny thing is they actually have conversations like, am I really going to get up at 2 a.m. to watch them play the <laughs> Bengals? Like the Bengals, dog? I'm going to have to miss this game. So, yeah, even diehard fans are not able to watch it when, when they're international. But um, as far as this game, the Cowboys – I, I again I'm so impressed with what your defensive coordinator is able to do, even as he's just holding things together with string. I, and, and I I know you guys got Sherman back, but just the injuries that, that both teams have had, um, it's 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 a it's a suck fest right now, but your defense is still strong. Uh, I was actually shocked to see Washington what Washington did against you guys uh was it last week? Yeah, last week. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was pretty surprising for me to see them uh, do what they were capable of doing, uh, even with losing the quarterback. So, you know, maybe the, the hard times are catching up with you guys uh, com- comparatively. But um, I, I think the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott is injured. Andy Dalton doesn't have the protection. The protection is getting better because how could it get any worse? Uh, we're starting a guy named Terrence Steele at right tackle. Terrence Steele is a undrafted free agent out of oh, Texas yeah. Tech. He started 12 out of 13 games. Like that—that's how bad it is in Dallas with the with the offensive line right now. Uh, Zach Martin's out. Teron Smith is out. Lyle Collins is out. Lyle Collins hasn't taken a snap all year. Teron Smith has played in, I believe, two games. Um, Zach Martin is done for the basically done for the year. They put him on IR. He's not going to come back for the last couple games. Um, So it's it's just a hodgepodge of players across the offensive line. I don't know how even as banged up as the 49ers are I don't know how they defend uh, how how they protect against that defensive front so that that's pretty much where it comes where it comes down to if they can somehow manage to keep Andy Dalton from being pressured and this is front side pressure I mean Ter- Terrence Steele misses guys when he only has one guy to block and he's blocking the wrong guy uh, it's it's really embarrassing. Um, so so I, I don't know how they combat what you guys can do on defense, but if there's a way to victory for them, it's going to come from protection. If they can give Andy Dalton some time, then they have a chance because the receivers are so good. You have a prediction? Uh, pain.
2: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Pain for you, pain for me, pain for everybody that has to watch this game. Uh,
1: I, I, I would probably go out on a limb and say that the 49ers are going to win Um, it's not Jimmy G isn't back yet. Right. No. And George Kittle, George Kittle is questionable, right?
3: Right? Uh, Yeah. He's he's practicing. He's not going to play. I doubt
1: it. Practicing and not going to play then. I I can't give you guys more than 24 points against our defense. So I'll say 24 to 17 San Francisco.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to, because the 49ers are a team that has typically really only won games when they've been able to run the ball. Um, and they haven't been able to run the ball consistently over these last few games. Um, and I, I do wonder, given the Cowboys issues at defending the run, if right. the 49ers are finally going to be able to run over somebody, because it's like every, it, it feels like, you know, the the Niners are sort of they're due for one of these games where they rush for, you know, 200 yards. Oh, that'll be um, that'll be. And, and they haven't had that yet. And I feel like the doubt the, the Cowboys defense might be might be ripe for that at this point.
1: I'll put it to you this way: Before the Cincinnati game, the Dallas defense was on pace to give up twenty six hundred yards on the ground this year. Oh my god, twenty six hundred <laughs> yards on the That's ground! So
3: many yards!
1: So, what what is going on? They've given up three hundred yards, two hundred ninety yards, and two hundred sixty yards in, in in as far as their highs on the year. So I don't care who you have. I don't care if it's Tevin Coleman, and I know you guys don't play Tevin uh, Coleman. I don't care if it's him running; you guys have a chance of getting big yardage against the Cowboys defense. It's that bad.
3: If it's Tevin Coleman, I, I think the Cowboys. Okay, yeah,
1: okay. okay, that's a stretch. Yeah, okay, <laughs> anybody but Tevin Coleman. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah. All right. I drafted well, yeah. Tevin Coleman, by the way, so that I'm a little bit bitter.
3: Just for <laughs> and, and real quick for reference, for, for what 2,600 yards in a season is. The 49ers had the number two rushing attack in the league last year. A really good run game. They only ran for 2,300 yards. There you go. The Cowboys were on pace to give up 300 more than that. Yep. Which is there you go. so you Yeah. Many. So
2: start <laughs> Raheem Mostert in your fantasy playoffs. I'm there starting
3: Raheem <laughs> Mostert and Jeff Wilson. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that a bad out. idea.
1: <laughs> look, look. If, if, I know I don't know how much you guys follow college ball. I don't follow college follow college ball that great. But I did know that North Carolina ran for 500 yards on mm. uh, Miami this past weekend. They had two running backs over 200 yards, one had over 300 yards. I would probably bet on a similar type of performance if things go according to plan. As long as you guys don't fall behind, which I can't see how you do if Andy Dalton is on the other side, then I'd say that you guys can stick to the run game and be able to affect the game that way.
2: Well, should be uh I, I want to say it should be interesting, but I don't even think it'll be that interesting. It'll be
1: a game. I don't know what yep. else there is. There'll be about sixty
3: it. minutes of football. Hopefully, only sixty.
1: <laughs> oh, now you jinxed it. Now we're going to overtime. <laughs> All ten minutes. God,
2: <laughs> a tie! Can you imagine oh, a tie oh after? Overtime? <laughs> All right, Katie. Thanks There's so much for joining us, here. man. And we uh, we'll be in you touch. you guys want to cover
3: baseball instead? We just. <laughs> oh my God! Talk some be... gnats or something. Can, like. can, can, can I... <laughs> Dog, you know
1: how much I would love to be a Nationals. beat. Well, not right now in the pandemic, but just like, you know, baseball was my first love. I-, I love football. I study football. I know football now more than I know baseball because it's my job to know football. Right. But baseball is my passion. And I would do anything to be a Nats beat writer in my younger days, back before I had a family, when I could travel around the country, right. you know, those sorts of things. I would give anything to a beat on a baseball beat. Um, Chris, do you cover baseball at all? I have in the past. I actually did before um I was covering some A's stuff
2: before Scout and I've done um I've done a lot of baseball stuff like with AP and MLB.com sparingly. But um yeah, like baseball is my first love too, but it is such a grind.
1: Like, I I mean it has to be. It's, yeah. 140 it's, it's,
2: games, all the travel, like the three city trips, all that stuff. It's uh I, I mean personally for me, I was like, all right. I, I don't know if I can do baseball and then when, when I started doing football and you get you know four days a week and uh you know one game on the weekend or whatever in time to right. travel was like oh this is this is probably the best schedule this is the life yeah of any, <laughs> of, any of any sports beat so yeah but yeah well, and it's it's been part you know it's part of that is because you uh you got me on the wire sites all those all those years ago so appreciate you and chris
3: well, got and Chris got me on the wire site so this is all your fault
1: i I joke about this kind of thing but talent emerges and and you know whether or not i made the connection between you and neil talent emerges uh and obviously oh, you, brought, you, you brought on kyle and obviously kyle is doing a bang up job uh so actually kyle no you started with the titans
3: yeah but i started as a contributor for chris
1: contributor for yeah exactly contributor for niners and then you moved to the titans and now you're back with the niners so uh, again talent emerges and um I mean, Neil's just put together a tremendous team all the way through, back, starting back in 2015. It's just a, yeah. it's an incredible squad that he's put together for the wire sites.
3: Definitely. Oh. Uh, well, Katie. next time uh, next time we have you on, we're planning on doing some baseball talk on this podcast during the offseason. So, uh, Let's do so we'll hit you up then for sure. Thanks, Juan man.
1: So- Juan Soto for MVP. Let's get it. I'm in. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Soto. Katie. All right, fellas.
2: 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world for more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a shortlist of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can have contact with them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the US are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Because right now, an ice cold Pepsi may be the best part about watching the 49ers. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching.
3: Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Let me tell you, I am going to go on BetOnline, and I am going to dig and dig and dig until I find where I can get CJ Beathard's over on passing yards for Sunday. I'm certain they have it, and I'm going to find it. You can wow. get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off on wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, and do not forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag that's blue wire all one word b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e blue wire at betonline.ag bet online your online sports book experts all right tracy sandler's in the building tracy give us a fun fact
4: about anything
3: <laughs> yeah what, what, oh, just a fun
4: fact off the top of your head. A fun fact. I'll, you know what? When I did five fun facts with George Kittle, when he was a rookie, he had just been drafted. And I, I said, dropped. what's your favorite restaurant? Yep. It was big. I thought on this pod that name drop would be appreciated. Uh, <laughs> I asked him his favorite restaurant and he said, even then Panda Express, maybe not even then, maybe it made even more sense then. But the point is the man is loyal to his Panda Express. There's a fun fact for you. You are welcome.
3: i love to see it. <laughs> It's Tracy Sandler. You can find her on Twitter at 49ers fangirl, uh, FGSN.com is the website, a uh, ton of incredible stuff going on over there. Uh, and there aren't a lot of people I like talking 49ers football with more than Tracy. Too oh, many fumbles. too so many agreed. fumbles,
4: it's too many fumbles.
2: Agreed. Tracy was one of the brave people who ventured over to, uh, to Arizona for, did you go, did you go to the, uh, two games there? just the one,
4: just the Monday night football game, Oh,
2: just the Monday night football game. Okay. So what was that like? Because, um, I have decided not to go to those games because, um, of all the reasons that are pretty obvious, but what, what was it like being in in the building there? Um, was it the weirdest football game you've ever been to? And, uh, what were your takeaways?
4: It, it definitely was a little bit weird. Um, but there were not, fans in the stadium but some of the 49ers family was in the stadium so to actually see people in the stands that's not something we've experienced thus far so that was interesting it was also just weird because I had been in that stadium before to cover other 49ers Cardinals games and everything is red so you're like okay this kind of makes sense and up on the the big screen it says like faithful to the bay and faithful we miss you and you know all the stuff you have the end zones both which they, so they changed one because usually it'd be Arizona Cardinals. Right. So they both said Arizona, but then I thought that was kind of weird. Like a, if you're changing anyway, like one of them couldn't say 49ers, but whatever. But there was like 49 ers signage everywhere. It was just very strange. And there was that moment of being like, what, what am I doing here? Not like I regretted going, but like why am I in Glendale, Arizona for a 49ers Monday night home game? I have to say in the very beginning of the game, I will just admit this to you guys. And I'm sure you won't tell anybody else. I was like a little thrown. (laughs) It took me like a couple minutes to remember. I was like covering a football game because I was like, what is what is happening? And then I then I settled in. But, you know, much like, you know, Nick Mullins says sometimes he gets a little antsy in the beginning. That's how I felt. I was a little hyped up. But then I brought brought myself back.
3: Hopefully you perform better than Nick Mullins did.
4: Well, I mean, I think my work speaks for itself. But you go go back and read my article and see what you think. I actually do think it was oddly enough. I think it was one of my best post game articles of the season. I don't want to like pat myself on the back, but I will. I think no, I was I was I was inspired by the change of scenery, and I think it was one of my best post game uh, pieces of the season. So we have that.
2: That's so what one, one thing that. Um... We mentioned with with KD and it's sort of similar uh with the Cowboys from the sense that like we don't you know we're, we're all trying to figure out what the real takeaways are from this 49ers season Oof. aside from the fact that <clears throat> they're a good team that basically got destroyed with injuries to just about all of their key players but I want to ask you Tracy like what do you think what what are some takeaways from you for you for this 49ers season maybe aside from the injuries, that um, that we can spin forward and might have actual ramifications going into 2021 and beyond?
4: First of all, Chris, I'd like to say that that's a very good question.
2: Thank like you so much.
4: You're very welcome. And it's an interesting question because it's, it's a very difficult season to separate the injuries because it's like a what came first, the chicken or the egg. And essentially this team was done in week two. You had Bosa go out. Two plays later, Solomon Thomas, that's when Garoppolo first got injured. So, you know, it's been a, a whole season of trying to piece that together. I think, uh, how do I say this nicely and correctly? You don't have um, to
2: say it nicely or correctly. Say,
4: that's it's just it.
3: us. Actually,
4: no, one, no one else listens to this, right? It's like just us. Yeah. And probably Katie, and but he'll, he'll only listen and to the first part Kyle. that he's on. <laughs> um, I think, okay. so... I sort of hesitate to say this because there were so many injuries, but I also think that this 49ers team came into the season. Maybe, Oh, they're going to get mad at me, but maybe believing a little bit of their own hype. That was very different from last year's season. Is that a good way to say that? Yeah. Yeah, That makes
3: sense.
2: Uh, Well, I think that manifested in the way they built the team, right? Because everything Kyle Shanahan said after the season and like going into free agency in the draft was we want to keep this team together. We thought we were good enough to win the Super Bowl last year. So we're going to do everything we can to, you know, reload. And in doing that, they were pretty, they were pretty much putting all of their chips into this season with a few different things that they did. The, The decision to, um, you know move up for Brandon Ayuk was, was mm-hmm. something that was a little bit surprising Ayuks obviously been a very good player and he's going to be a good player for the 49ers for a long time but they could have moved back from that pick and kept moving back and got a bunch of second and third round picks to develop starters down the road right and then they traded Trent they traded those um those draft picks for for Trent Williams also after the Emmanuel Sanders thing so it was very much like our super bowl window's open we're doing this we're doing this right now. So, so I think that jives with what you're with your point in that, you know, they sort of had X, they, they expected to, to just maybe roll over people or at least headed into the season thinking we have this great foundation. We're coming off a super bowl appearance. And, um, and maybe that started with the way they constructed the team without a whole lot of urgency. And I think now we can look at this thing and say, you know, maybe they made the, the wrong choice in picking Eric Armstead over to Forrest Buckner.
4: Well, I think um, I yeah, do think that, that we can. And I think I think there's a couple of things. I mean, if you go back to last season, you know, there were decisions made. It was like Super Bowl or bus decisions and they made the Super Bowl, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. And so there's and obviously that's a crap you get there and then the chips fall as they may. Um, Well, also how you play gets is involved, but whatever, for the sake of this argument, the ships fall as they may. And so I think they made those decisions last year, which then put them in a difficult position this year. You know, I think the DeForest Buckner decision, I hate playing armchair coach and GM because there's there are many reasons I'm not a coach or GM. But I, (laughs) and I'm sure you guys could rattle them off, but we don't have that kind of time. So I just. (laughs)
3: Overqualified.
4: And (laughs) that's, I think that's what it comes down to, Kyle. (laughs) Obviously overqualified. But I, you know, I think it will remain to be seen about DeForest Buckner because we're going to see how Javon Kinlaw plays out. I do think DeForest Buckner is the type of player that I I hate to throw this word out, guys, but he is an elite defender and he's a game-changing defender. But you know, next season when you have Nick Bosa back, when when there's more around them, um does the DeForest Buckner trade look as bad as it does now? Hard to say. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, a crystal ball, even though sometimes I really wish I did. Uh so you know, I think there's that. I think Chris, you make good points about the trades. I don't have an issue with the Trent Williams one because I do think that was a really important trade. And in losing Joe Staley, they had to shore up that side of the line. Now you know, Kyle Shanahan said a lot of great things about Mike McGlinchey this week, but you can't look back at his play at the season and say he's been great and he'll be fine next year. You know, it's really it's really hard to tell. So they have put themselves in a difficult position. I do think Brandon Ayuk will end up being a star. I think Debo Samuel will be a star, but we're also seeing him get hurt a lot. So the IU thing may end up looking like in a year or two a completely genius move because they absolutely needed that. A lot of it is it's hard to tell because there have been so many injuries. That being said, it does feel like the team was built for everything to go right, and as soon as everything didn't go right, it was pretty much over. And I go back to what I said before: I think in week two, the season was over; it was basically done.
3: Agreed. Yeah, it kind of felt. It definitely felt like when Bosa went down, their defense might lose its teeth a little bit, and that's happened to an extent. But um... and then they also
4: don't have D Ford. I mean, I yeah, you know, there there've been problem after problem. And then, of course, there's the issues of the secondary. And Just no one's be able to stay healthy. And I, I do believe with injuries are somewhat of a domino effect in football because as soon as one or two guys get injured, you start putting people in positions, in starting positions that they weren't meant to be in. And as yep. a result, everything can go, things can go wrong that we'll never know went wrong. And that, I think, can contribute to, obviously, poor play and, and injuries. Just as people miss assignments and and all of that. Um, I know this is not groundbreaking analysis, but I do think that that <laughs> happens a lot. I, I,
3: I do want to, I do want to get to the Niners quarterback situation, but Tracy, one of the things I wanted to run by you was a, a question that, that I've thought about a lot. Can oh I know, uh, <laughs> football related football related, um, the the 49ers had a pretty clear identity in 2019 that took them to the Super Bowl. They had a really nasty defense They had a really good run game. And then they did enough throwing the football that that teams had to respect it. And it's a, what allowed their run game to be effective. Do mm-hmm. you think that's a formula that that we'll see next year in in 2021? Do you think they're going to try and follow that same formula? Or do you think the team's going to be different enough that maybe we see their identity change a little bit?
4: I think they may have to be different enough because I think with the thing with that identity goes a little bit back to we just talked to. Everything has to go right. But Mm -hmm. if Raheem Mostert gets hurt and Jeff Wilson gets hurt and Tevin Coleman gets hurt, now the identity doesn't work. And that's true of football generally. But with that identity, if really, if one thing goes wrong, you're I won't swear on this podcast, but you're in trouble. So I think they're okay. going to have to change that identity a little bit. I mean, that is based, that is Shanahan's offense. And so, you know, that is probably the, the bulk of what they're going to be. But I would imagine when you see a season like this, where all these different things happened, um, because I think, you know, in every game they lose, which is eight of them, but in every game they lose there, the takeaway is always like, we couldn't run the ball how we wanted to. But I think at a certain point, you maybe have to look at that and say, well, do we have to put ourselves in a position so that if we can't run the ball the way we want to, we still can win the game? My my thinking would be, yes. Unless you want to lose games, but I don't think they do.
3: That'd be a <laughs> wild strategy. <laughs> it so would
4: be, it would be a kick- good...
2: <laughs> so I, I, think that leads, I think that leads nicely into the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. the brand the 49ers have sort of had to play... Um, at least for throughout most of 2019 and, and particularly in the playoffs um, was that run centric offense where everything else w- was sort of built off the rushing attack. And, and you certainly want to have an element of that going into next season. But I wonder like you guys are talking about are the 49ers going to have to change their identity in terms of the way they win games because they're not going to have the best pass defense in football year in and year out. That's just not sustainable right um and you know we don't know you know like the the running game hasn't been good for a while now and and there are a lot of factors that go into it but i I, it goes back to the quarterback position because you look at it and say all right can jimmy garoppolo elevate the offense to the point where it doesn't have to be so run first right like they can Mm -hmm. win a game more often like the saints game last year um that you know that that really was, was the game where Garoppolo proved he could win games with his arm, but then you don't really feel that way watching him play this season um, when he has been available, and obviously a lot of that has to do with the injury and his inability to put off push off his right ankle and all that. But Tracy, I, I'm curious as to your opinion about where things stand with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, what the 49ers should do next season, um, and just your opinion of, of what it's going to look like next year.
4: Well, here's what I think is actually going to happen. And then I think we can talk about if, if Garoppolo can be that guy, but I think everybody should go ahead and get themselves prepared that they're going to draft another defensive lineman. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the started starter, and they will draft a quarterback, uh, maybe like in the second or third round, but that's probably what's going to happen. So just everybody prepare yourselves. I've been wrong before, like once or twice. So it's possible I'm wrong this time, but, um, I just feel like that's, what's going to happen. That being said, um, you know, I, I think in some ways it remains to be seen. As you said, when we've seen him play, he's obviously had a had a tough time because of the injury. But that's kind of been the biggest issue with Garoppolo. And that's nobody's fault, including his. But he's been hurt for the majority of time that he's been there. I think, you know, the 2017, those five games were kind of a, you know, a lot of things came together for that for the, the 5-0 and Garoppolo era beginning, which I said not eloquently, but you know where I'm going with this. But then, you know, then he gets hurt. He comes back last year. Everything around him works perfectly, but he did prove in that game. The question is, are they going to give him the opportunity to prove that he can win games like that Saints game? You know, it, last year, you could make the argument, well, it's his first full season of, as a starter, he's coming off this ACL injury. We have this incredible defense. Our run game's doing well. We don't need to push Jimmy. But I think in order to really see if he can do it and see what they got, I do think they have to to push him and see. I think the jury's still out. You know, it, it's just, I think this season's really hard to tell. He did not play well in that opening game against Arizona, but nobody played well in that opening game against Arizona. But And also
2: was- in the game's biggest moments, he was targeting Trent Taylor, which based right. on what we know about Trent Taylor's season, that's not an ideal situation, and that's not that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Garoppolo, right?
4: No, it definitely does not. And I think you bring up a really good point. And something you know Shanahan said weeks ago is you know they had very little, they've had very little time with like Debo, Iu right. Kittle, and Raheem Mostert all in the field at the same time. So this goes back a little bit to the injury discussion and what came first, the chicken or the egg. But I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo really has to prove that he can he can do it beyond just the Saints game. It's a huge win, but that's one game in a career. Uh, I do think he's going to be the starter next year and think he's going to have the opportunity to do that. But, you know, they're going to have to kind of change it up. What, is, what, did, what does Sherman always say? The best ability is availability. And thus far, Garoppolo, 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 Garoppolo has not had as much availability um, as one would hope for the franchise quarterback.
2: Yeah. And and our friend Nick Wagner on this podcast um, made the point to us when we were having the same discussion, I don't know, point. a couple months ago that, you know, he covered Wait. Sam Bradford and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the issue with Sam Bradford was, Oh, he has all this upside when he's healthy. He's really good. But the Rams ended up waiting forever for him to be healthy. Right. And so you wonder what that threshold is for the 49ers, right? Like I, I, I can understand the, the, the idea that this season, you know, this off season might be a little too early unless there's a a very clear plan B that offers you either an immediate upgrade over Garoppolo or a much cheaper um, alternative, like, you know, a rookie, maybe if you trade up for, for one of the top, you know, three or four quarterbacks in this draft class um, who starts right away, maybe that presents itself, but otherwise, it seems like this might be a year early, like to just completely give up. And if Garoppolo has a lost season, if Garoppolo is brought back as a starter and then has a lost season in 2021 also, then, you know, then you really have to think about moving on in a significant way. But I, I do think that the 49ers have enough talent in house and a foundation still in place that they can make a run and be a contending team. Like I don't look around the NFC and see a bunch of powerhouses sort of waiting in the wings for 2021 right like you look Mm -hmm. at the top of you look at the top of the conference right now like do you do you trust the Packers to be a Super Bowl team and Aaron Rodgers you know is is in his mid-30s and that's just the reality of of where he's at in his career he probably you know he's he's a very good player but how long is is that going to last right you could say the same thing about the Saints and Drew Brees and Tom Brady in in Tampa Bay so for me like I go back and forth on it. I think it would make a ton of sense for the 49ers to move on if Kyle Shanahan really likes one of these rookie quarterbacks. But I also think there's plenty of logic to the idea that, um, you know, maybe this this offseason is a little too soon to completely punt on Garoppolo. And then you find out if you can recapture some of that 2019 magic next year if you get Nick Bosa to play in every game like he did as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're able to, you know, get 10 sacks from Eric Armstead if you're able to, you know, get more from Javon Kinlaw, and if Brandon Ayuk turns into somebody that you might be able to count on for 12 or 1,300 yards on top of whatever Debo Samuel gives you and what George Kittle gives you, I think that has the makings of a really good team paired with the running game and, and all Kyle Shanahan's play calling. But I do think there's risk in sticking with Garoppolo because as, as, you know, Wagner pointed out, like, you know, you don't want to stick with the wrong guy while this championship window's open. Like, if you have all these guys peaking at the right time in their career, you don't want that ruined by a quarterback who can't stay healthy.
4: Well, I I agree with you that it might be a season too early, and I guess the counterpoint to your last point is, can this team afford to trade up for one of these top quarterbacks? Or are there too many other issues right now? Not, not a ton, but there are other things that need to be addressed in the offseason. Are you better off addressing those And like you said, recapture some of that 2019 magic with everything falling into place and knowing Garoppolo will be good enough for that. Um, I would go with that again, not the GM because I'm obviously as Kyle said, overqualified, but uh, I do think (laughs) I would, I would, if it were me uh, from the couch, I would address the other things that need to be addressed. Um, And you have him under contract. And I think you brought up another really good point. Who who's going to be the major upgrade and what would you have to give up for that person? And I think that's kind of the stuff. It's like we talk about this with Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football. You know, who else who would be better? And sometimes that decision comes into play other than Nick Mullins, obviously. But other otherwise, sometimes that decision comes into play.
2: I want the that was sarcastic,
4: to show... by the way. I just want to throw that Go out there.
2: Blue. Am I right? I, I, yeah, I just want. <laughs> I just want the
3: record to show that you brought up Michigan football, not me.
4: It's, I mean, it's totally fine. I've accepted. It is what it is.
3: It's That's the first just... time that Michigan has gotten ahead of Ohio state in a long time. Am I right?
4: Oh, <laughs> oh, oh bo- I went to a state school. Um,
3: <laughs> me <too>. so who's,
4: <laughs> so did I. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, tra- <laughs>
3: Uh, I just got I heated college football rivalries. Really, I'm just um, <laughs> yeah. who starts who sta- quarterbacks. Tracy, who starts week one for the Niners next year? Is it Garoppolo a different veteran or a rookie?
4: Oh, oh, a v- different veteran. I missed that for a second. I, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sorry, guys, but I think it's Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't
2: have to apologize.
4: I, I'm not apologizing to you too. I'm <laughs> apologizing to the listeners who are gonna comment and be like, "No, it's not," you know. But it's I. I think it's. I think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. And I subscribe to your other theory. I think it's just a year too early. I get what Nick Wagner's saying as well. Um, I think you could look at all sides of it, but you could make an argument for both, but I think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo.
3: What happens on Sunday?
4: (laughs) Sorry. Did I... I Did everyone's start- so
2: excited to watch this football game between the Niners Did- and Cowboys. I don't
3: here's the okay but here's the thing so <laughs> I was I, we have that question down in our notes just kind of things we wanted to make sure we hit and typically as a host we have just d- generic notes down and then we surround those notes with context but the context of this game is this is two really disappointing teams and in talking to people who cover the 49ers and in talking to people who cover the Cowboys, the consensus is like the best outcome is like a two and a half hour game. And that's it. <laughs> I, I think that's true. I mean, you also have,
4: you have so, the hey, most Tracy, like,
3: what time do you want to see this game end by? <laughs> well,
4: let's see. It's a 10 a.m. Start. I'd love to, I'd love to be eating lunch by one, See, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I won't be because I'll be on interviews, but nonetheless, for the point of your uh conversation, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's a little known storyline to this game, guys, that you guys may not have realized, but it did come to my attention earlier. Um, he's hurt right now, so it may not come Jimmy to fruition. Garoppolo. Yes, but also
3: Dak Prescott.
4: Yes. Sorry. It, yes. There, Sorry. You, you know, you've got you're bringing up names that make a lot of sense. I'm going to bring up a name we maybe haven't talked about in a while, and that is one Richard Robinson. Other people might say this what? is like an Alden Smith revenge game. What? I'm going with a Shard Robinson revenge. Granted, he's Furt and he didn't practice today, but uh,
3: you're making I, up that he's on the Cowboys.
4: I couldn't. Like you're doing make a that... bit where
3: you just picked a random X 49er.
4: If I was gonna do that, and if I'd pick him, I might pick like I don't know Smelter. I don't know.
3: <laughs> I, think <for laughs> sure. I think I have tweets calling him an all pro as well.
4: <laughs> um, but uh, but. Richard Robertson was he didn't practice today he went out with a knee injury against the Bengals so my dream of the revenge game may not come true uh but um so there's that storyline there's there's Alden Smith and then like other than that I mean basically who turns the ball over less because yeah that's basically I mean you do have Andy Dalton playing at a uh uh what's the word I want to use not high but like relatively high level playing certainly better mediocre Mediocre, he's like, at mediocre. Certainly playing mediocre. His actually, his playing...
3: skyrocketed to mediocrity.
4: <laughs> his game is sky. I mean, for him, he's actually playing pretty well the last weeks. And it's like, you know, I think the big question in this game is: Are we going to see C.J. Bathard? My money is on absolutely. That
2: is... Yeah, that's a good point. That...
3: Yeah,
4: that—that's the question of this game for the forty. Whoever wins, I mean, who knows? On uh, this, I... this is going to be like. I mean, you've got two teams that Chris's guy Ezekiel Elliott has trouble holding on to the football. Nick Mullins has oh, wow. trouble not turning over the football like I, I just but are we going to see CJ Beathard that's what I'm that's what I want to see that's what I want to know Chris, I'm more
2: I'm more offended now than I've ever been that somebody <laughs> would call Zeke Elliott my guy
4: well he went to Ohio State because so I used to, to like reason. he was
2: legitimately you know during that championship run I was you know the guy ran for like 200 yards a game all the way through the, the national championship game but now I'm now I don't have nearly as much excitement when he, when Zeke Elliott's brought up I'm a little offended that you called him my guy just now.
4: Well, he went what to Ohio KJ State. Hill.
2: Yeah, but I mean, there's all the off the field stuff.
4: That's there's true. Okay, I'll take he, it back. He, the he's, nose ring. Not,
2: he's not super good anymore.
4: Okay, how about Chris's... I will I will rectify that comment. Comment. <laughs> it is Chris's fellow alumnus, Ezekiel oh, okay. okay. Elliott. Perfect. How's that? Is that better? Sure. Okay. Sure. Since
3: Glad Tracy to... is the 49ers fangirl, are we also saying your guy, Joe Looney? <laughs> 49ers legend. <laughs> only member of the 2012 draft class still in the league. On the Cowboys. It's... Yes. Starting at <laughs> center, I believe.
4: You guys, it is... Is he healthy? Full yeah, circle. So. Full Joe circle. Looney
3: revenge game. You heard it here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we got a lot of storylines in this game that most people didn't realize until about three minutes ago.
3: Hey, does... It, does a blog post need to go up on Niners Wire that says like the X storylines you're not following? Yeah, probably. Can I
4: please? If, can I guess? right I guess? that not been explored. Yes. Yeah.
3: If you want to guess right, I can definitely.
4: Actually, if if you want to for the Richard Robinson one, here's a shameless plug. You don't even have to write it. You could just put up the five fun facts I did with him back in 2016, and that should probably take care of it.
2: Great. Just embed it in the blog post. It's I would YouTube. just, Im- yeah,
4: it's on, it's on YouTube. Just Google uh, Rashard Robinson five fun facts, and it pops right up. Um, and uh, you feel free to probably button, just button.
3: Google Richard Robinson, and that's there's probably like eight <laughs> results. That's actually,
4: <laughs> actually, here's a fun fact: there are a few because I tried that because I hadn't watched. I don't want to shock you guys. I actually had not watched his five fun facts in what? quite some time. I know. I know guys um crazy but um i but there were a few other hits and there was a story in the dallas morning news about how this could be a revenge game for him so so there's two of us who were on top of that
2: um yeah so we haven't i mean so tracy does five fun facts with a lot of people um correct a, a lot of prominent 49ers who's who
4: had a lot of prominent beat writers, Chris Peterman. Oh, that's
2: true. Yeah, you can find me <laughs> on there somewhere. Hopefully buried deep in the archives. <laughs> but um, who, is the fi- <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs>
2: who is the best the uh, best guy for that you've had uh, on for Five Fun Facts? And Besides what were Baterman. some of the best facts?
4: I would say, okay, so low key, uh, which might also be he's stellar on the field and doesn't always get the credit he deserves. Kwan Williams was a really cool mm-hmm. Five Fun Facts. Uh, like really, he does a lot of really cool stuff and he's super into water sports. And, and I actually, his was like really, really good. Um, uh, the one that has done the best and is Nick Bosa. And I think part of that is that Nick has a really nice way about him. Uh, and the, the way that he shares his fun facts. Um, the one that's popping up in my head right now is he loves sushi, but, uh, there are other. <laughs> There are other great fun I facts. Like in there. Sushi. Uh and he but he had just started sushi. And then the other one is he had just started drinking coffee and he like went into his whole coffee regimen. Um, but the way he tells them just kind of come across really nicely. Richard Sherman's is uh is pretty mm. good, but k1's is one that I remember that's kind of a low-key great one. The one I just did with Jason Verrett was also. A great one. Um, I'm trying to think back over the years. I've done two with Kyle Juszczyk. Raheem Moser's is pretty good. Garoppolo's is different because we did it. I gave him, like, choices between two things, and he picked his favorite. Um, And uh, there was Cut. that. Actually,
3: <laughs> What's one that people should not check out? <laughs> Mine.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I ah, cannot say that. Oh, you know who else is, is great? Both of his? Jimmy Ward's.
2: I I can see see that. that. Thanks for bringing that up on this podcast. (laughs) Um, Have you heard Kyle's impression of Nick Bosa?
4: No, but I because you mentioned
2: the you mentioned how Bosa sort of speaks. Kyle does a really good Nick Bosa impression. Well, hate to put you on the spot in the pod
3: like this, Kyle, but I hate that actually. Uh, I don't know, I haven't, because we were hearing him talk so much there at the start of it that I just had the voice in my head. And I haven't heard him talking so long. Um, uh, yeah, so I just started drinking coffee the other day, and it gets me pretty energized, I guess. Just mixed it with my sashimi, <laughs> like raw fish. I like bluefin tuna more than yellowfin tuna. It's like Baker, <laughs> Baker. So it's just stuff like that.
4: <laughs> that's really funny. That's really good.
2: The Baker, the Baker stuff was crucial. Yeah,
3: so, that,
4: yeah the Baker stuff was um, was the, crucial.
3: Hearing a guy who's clearly bad at trash talking try and recount his trash talking was very entertaining. Yeah. Yes, totally. that's fair. That's that's fair. All right,
2: Tracy, Where, uh, what stuff do you have coming up that people should check
3: Also, out? who wins on Sunday? You never oh. dropped that
4: Oh, on right. You're right. I never who did wins? drop that. I didn't drop that on you. Um, I'm not
2: trying to rush you out of here.
4: Uh, I, <laughs> God, this is a, oof, this is, yeah. <laughs> Chris is like, we have our third guest this week. We get this going. Um, I would say on Sunday, I mean, I'll just give it to the Niners because who, who effin knows who wins this game? I mean, yeah. these two teams, sure. it's like, it's the injury bowl. It's just any given Sunday, they're like completely different teams than they were the Sunday before. Um, you know, the Cowboys are coming off a big win over the Bengals. But, um, I, I mean, sure, I'll give it to the Niners. Because why not, guys? Because hoping is cool.
2: Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think this is going to be one of the rare games where the Niners are able to run the ball really well. Because the Dallas run defense is terrible. And it might be, correct like the first time where the Niners just like run for 220 yards um, or at least the first time in what feels like forever. And they're just able to, to control the game that way.
4: I'm not giving them 220 yards, but I agree that they will be. Yeah. I mean, at
2: some point, like they, at some point it feels like it's inevitable that, you know, it's not going to look like the Carolina game last year where they ran for all those yards, but at some point it feels like Raheem Mostert's Mm going to go off again. And, Uh, and, And maybe the turnover stuff, reverts and they actually like don't turn the ball over in a way that completely destroys them.
4: I was just laughing because I was just thinking of Nick Bosa in that Carolina game, (laughs) the interception. And that was a great moment. It was a different time. It was a different time guys. In a lot of ways.
2: All right. Well now what, what stuff do you have coming up that people should check out?
4: Uh, Okay. So you guys should definitely check out our get my job podcast. Uh, Every week I interview a prominent woman in sports uh, about her career journey and advice that she has. And, the stories are, are great and and there's a lot of great advice in them and they're a lot of fun so i would say definitely check out get my job uh go to fgsn.com where you can read all of my 49 ers stories of course follow me on instagram at tracy sandler for all the 49ers content you can handle and of course uh twitter at 49ers fangirl as kyle so said, said earlier
2: and 49ers fan dogs on instagram
4: and for our dogs on Instant. They're not super active, but you should follow them anyways because they're super cute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Tracy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we will talk soon, I'm sure.
4: I was going to say thank you for having me, but instead I'm going to say you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>